whole salvation. If those other members of the household believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But at least from God's perspective, he's not looking to save you and commit your children or your household to hell. That is not God's intention. So we see that God is a God of posterity. He's the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Amen? Three generations. In Malachi, God established that he ordained marriage between a man and a woman. So that <laughs> we can bring forth godly offspring. Consistent. In Genesis chapter, I believe chapter 8, when God was speaking to Noah or about Noah, the Bible said God gave to a promise to Noah and his sons. I'm throwing all this out there so you can understand that we don't live alone. We don't exist alone. God has a vested interest in our families. Amen? And therefore, as parents or as children, we must aspire to get to the place where we are all consistently working righteously, soberly, and uprightly before God. Amen? Now, there's an amazing thing that happened in the scriptures that I've, I've still not quite understood. And that is, in the case of prophet Samuel, you all remember Samuel? He was a priest who was a prophet that anointed kings, and yet for some reason his children did not follow out after his footsteps. I'm not quite sure what went wrong there. But we want to make sure that in our family, in our body, as a body of believers, that we as parents are showing godly examples and teaching our children all the things that God is teaching us so that they, in due time, will live godly, uprightly, and soberly before God. Amen? The Bible says that we should teach a child in the way that they should go, and when they grow old, they will not depart from it. So there's a two-way responsibility. We as parents must teach, and the children must also respond. So this morning, we want to talk about families. And uh, I'm going to invite uh, my able, capable leader here, Miss Linda Sue. She'll come up and join me. Please sit down, ma'am. Yeah. And first of all, I want to ask you, Linda, you've been working with the young people for a while now. Is it working? No, I don't know. Oh. You're already on. <laughs> you've been working with the young people for a while now. How would you assess the pulse of the younger generation based on your uh, interaction with them? Um, well, I think... Of course, everyone is different. Yes. Generally, um, in the beginning, about three years ago, when I first kind of took over, um, I would say it was a little maybe lukewarm. There are some that are very excited about doing the things of God and just walking in the quote-unquote um, right path or whatever you want to call it. But then there were some who just didn't care. So what we did was we did a little survey. And one of the main questions was, you know, how many of you guys can actually say you have a relationship, a real relationship with God? 
And um, it was interesting to see that about half of them said no. Um, and, you know, of course, these are children that have been in this church all their lives. Um, I've been in this church, luckily, for 20 years. So I've seen a lot of them grow in the church. So it was really interesting to see the answers would say, you know, were no. And then another question that we asked were, um, if your parents did not force you to come to church, would you come to church? <laughs> and, of course, half of them, again, was no, um, you know, for whatever reason. So after that survey, you know. Can, can I just stop you sure, right there? Definitely. You know, she said something here that's very important that I want to speak into. And that's the notion that because our kids were born in church, we assume that they are actually born again. Let me give you my example. I grew up in a home back in Nigeria where prayer and Bible reading were compulsory. My father had a bell in the living room and at six o'clock every morning, God help you when the bell rings if you don't show up. So we all showed up. We sang the hymns. We did Bible study. And my father prayed heaven to the earth. Now, did that change me? Nope. I still didn't know God. Because I never, all through that time, heard the simple gospel message. Never did. So I went, for years, I went every day, we had a devotion at home, I went to church on Sundays, and I still had no relationship with God. And then, when I became a parent, one of the questions Tony asked me earlier on was, Daddy, why, why, do, I, why do I need to become a Christian? Why, 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 why am I a sinner? I'm a child, I've not done anything wrong. I don't smoke dope, I don't drink beer. I, and she listed all these things that she doesn't do. And she challenged me as to why are you saying I need to be born again? So I'm saying this to say, from what they have just said, as parents, we cannot assume that because we bring our kids to, to church, because they hear a good message, that that means that they are born again. Being born again does not happen by osmosis. There has to be an intentional decision that must be made at the point of revelation. Meaning, at the point where the child or the young person comes to see and acknowledge the need because they are lost. Not because of what they've done, but because by nature of the Adamic man, they are just born in sin. So that has to be very, very clear. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I thought it's important to, to establish that point. Go ahead. I think, I think you basically just nailed the, um, hit the nail on the head. And that's basically one of the reasons why um, whenever we get feedback like that, I first discuss it with the director, and then we go back to Pastor Bank, and, you know, we've been talking about this for years, just really saying our next generation, like I said, I've been here for 20 years, and I can definitely say I've seen a shift. Um, there was back then when your parents did force you to come to church, that it wasn't even, it was an unspoken rule where you just know <laughs> they're going to church, you're going to church. Um, but then, you know, over time, we've seen a kind of shift where the kids, you know, they come to church and you can tell it's lukewarm. You can tell there's no excitement. Um, we say, you know, guys, come, let's do this. And there's an issue. They don't want to come. They don't want to. They just, there's a dragging of the feet there. And it's a constant struggle, usually with the, with the youth sometimes. And I feel like, okay, well, that's, there's something there. There's a problem there. So where, where's the problem coming from? And I, like you said, 
it's from they don't have their own relationship with God. And one of the reasons why I was really excited when Pastor Bank actually called me to say, let's have a kingdom conversation from the children's point of view is because we want to hear from the youth. Why don't you have a relationship with God? What is it about God that makes you not want to tap into such greatness? We as adults, we see it. But what, what, where's the, where's the, where's what I'm looking for? Where's the break? Where's the, dis, where's the dis, disconnection? Yeah, disconnection. Yeah, so, yeah. If the church of the future will survive, the younger generation must take ownership. They must get involved, they must be equipped, and they have to be on fire. Because what's coming at them today is much different from when I grew up. So we have to prepare them for the world in which they are living in. Do you want to invite some of your uh, disciples to come to the platform? Ah, of course I will. I wonder who <laughs> I'm going to pick. <laughs> well, um, we'll have Danielle Badaki. Um, Subin Mutevi. Audience, come on, give him a round of applause. Woo! So you see, so you see, happy that one. Subin. And, and I need a British accent for this one, but I'm gonna try. Um, is it Zorn Awanike? <laughs> <laughs> tell you why they are the ones up here um, I did ask the youth who wanted to come up here and you know kind of speak and be able to stand as a um, representation of their youth and a lot of them did volunteer some were voluntold um, <laughs> but Don and Subi did volunteer and Danielle and Toyosi were voluntold um, just because I wanted someone that can actually speak from a place of experience um, so we picked you know ninth between the ninth and tenth grade cluster that would be Subi the junior and senior cluster of high school that would be Don um, Toya C is a junior in college, and um, wow. Danielle is a sophomore in college. So we wanted to give you guys a good, you know, good balance of what, you know, who the youth really are. So, um, yeah. Good. All right. Praise God. I'm glad to have you guys here, and uh, hopefully we're going to learn from what you guys have to share so that we can know, number one, what's working, what's not working, what do we need to do to change, to make sure you guys have a vibrant, exciting, passionate, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that you guys can be a blessing to your generation. So we can change and turn around whatever's going wrong in this great United States of America and then take on the world. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. So who wants to go first? Can one of you guys share with us your born again experience? In fact, if you in fact are born again. <laughs> Anybody? I'll Go ahead. <laughs> Audience, I need your participation. <laughs> this is a conversation. Yeah. Amen? So when they speak, let's be cautious to... <laughs> Can we do that? Amen. I don't forget, I have my bag full of $2 bills. <laughs> okay. Uh, so personally, I feel like... Uh, my born again moment was, I think I, it was after I preached at, not this church, but the last church, I was like 11 or 12, and uh, I was voluntold again to uh, preach, and I came up, and my message about the manger, and the, it was during the Christmas time, 
And I think that was the first time, like, because they made me, I was forced to study the Bible, like, actually learn what I was <laughs> supposed to do. And I was, it was kind of interesting. And so I think that was my moment for me where I was like, okay, I think God is real. And then when I was preaching up there, I mean, I don't want to sound tacky, but I felt like, I want to say I felt something. And I knew it wasn't anything I'd felt before. So I was like, okay, this is, this is something, this is something that just regularly happens. I think that was my moment for me where I discovered that I was born again. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Any other take us on that? You will? Go ahead. Sure. You have the mic. Um, well, my parents are pastors. So, like, I was always in the church. I was always in the church, so I never really... That's why. Okay, I had a born-again moment where I was always in the church, and I always um, was rooted in God, and I always loved him, read my Bible, went to church, Bible study the whole shinding. Um, but I guess my moment, my ultimate moment where I wanted to give myself to him by myself was, I think it was my freshman year of college, not college, of um, high school, where I went somewhere, I think I went to some retreat, and I decided that I want to give myself to him completely because I think it was more because of the love I think the, that's the whole reason I want to give myself because I love him and he loves me because of who I am despite my imperfections and my flaws and everything. So because of that, I realized that I wanted to surrender myself and let him guide me through my life's journey. Amen. All right. Subi, you guys want to say anything on that or I should move on? Huh? I can move on. I can move on? Praise God. Okay, God. <laughs> Praise God. Now, did any of you guys at any time felt like you were coerced or uh, made to come to church out of obligation or duty? I think you're jumping out. Go ahead. You got the mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I mean, you guys know my parents. Uh, I, I'm not yes. saying, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that I was forced. <laughs> I'm not saying I was forced, but. Uh, I feel you're, like you're encouraged, but it's strongly. I, I was encouraged. Uh, you know, my parents, <laughs> my mom, she came to church every Sunday. She came to church Wednesdays. She came to Tuesdays. If there was Tuesday service, Thursdays, she could make it. And so every time she went, I went. And I feel like that was actually good for me because a lot of people think that, you're, yeah, you're being forced. But a lot of the, like the forcing, like when you get there, you have nothing to do but to sit down and listen. So eventually you'll get the appreciation of what they're doing. And I, I feel like, I, want, I don't want to say like forcing, but almost encouraging your child and pushing your child towards that is actually better for them just to let, than letting them go. Because a lot of times when you kind of let them go, especially in the life we're in now, like high school and whatnot, you can really be swayed to a lot of sides. And most of the times in high school, peer pressure is a real thing. So they're pressuring you, same thing, they're pushing you towards something. So I feel like that pressure from your parents actually helps lead you to Christ because it's giving you that push, and you're being forced to sit down in an uncomfortable situation, and that's where people really become to blossom and become who they are. Amen. I read a uh, statistics from the uh, Southern Baptist, uh, uh, I can't remember the actual name, they call it, but the, the point is that younger people especially college-age students, that they're praying to just get a chance to go away to college. 
And after they go away, they really, really go away. <laughs> that they, they disconnect from, from the body, from the church, and they just don't want to have anything else to do. Is that true? Do you guys sense that? Do you guys see that among your peers? And if so, what, what do you guys think is contributing to that? Can you all hear her? Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Okay. Um, I don't really think that our parents, they force us to come to church, but coming to church and actually listening to the message and being a part of the service is two different things. So I feel like when you, there's some parents who will force their child to like sit next to them during service, you know, make sure that they're listening. And then there's others that will be like, okay, I brought you to church. Now you're at church. It's your decision whether or not you want to participate, you want to listen, or you want to learn. Um, so when a lot of people go to college and they haven't really had that choice of, oh, I want to be here, I want to learn, I want to have this relationship, they kind of don't have any desire for it because they've never had to make that decision on, oh, I want to be here, like this is what I want to do. So it just seemed like a chore that now they're over. Okay, anybody else wants to say anything about that? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm going to respond to that, but I just want to see if there's another comment on that. Yes. Good morning. Are you on? No. Use that one. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, so just touching on that subject about being forced to church and whether you're really participating, I think it really starts early when um, whether you really want to go to church or not because even... Even at the younger ages, you you see sort of the disconnect between the people teaching and then the people learning, and um, I think I think that we need to I think that the parents and the children need to sort of form that relationship to where um, they're able to talk to each other about God, and then when they come to church, they're able to learn more. So it's like at home, whether it be through prayer, whether it be through reading the Word whether it be just, just singing songs together. I think you need to form that relationship then to where wow. it's not, I'm being forced to church, it's, oh, I want to actually learn more about God. I want to build a relationship with him. Wow. I don't just want to, I just don't want to be forced, you know? Like, I feel like that's how a lot of children fear, uh, feel nowadays. Like they think they, it's more from a place of fear rather than a place of, of, of happiness. And um, just if we're going, if, if us as children are going to be the generation coming into this church, a lot of us might be pastors, a lot of us might be helping within the church. I think we need to build that relationship at home first so we can come here and learn dominion, kingdom, and, um, and building nations. <laughs> wow. I think that's a very, very good answer to what Don was saying. And so what I'm hearing these students say is, at least so far, that the onus is upon us as parents to establish the foundation and to put the right stuff in them at home. So when they come to church, church enhances what is already there. Rather than just send your kids to church to be babysitted at church. But 
But our homes should be the incubating place where we talk to them about God, so the seed of the word of God in them, and then through discussions, hold them accountable to what they're hearing. I, I even just wonder for us as parents, when these kids come home from church, do we ask them what they heard in church that day? There has to be a place. Even in my heathen days, heathen, in quote and parenthesis, after my father's rung the bell, we pray in the morning, we read the Bible in the morning, and then we go to church, and he gives me my offering to give in church in Sunday school. Even in those heathen days, I'll come home from church on Sunday, you ask me, what did you say in church? And I always give him that verse, Jesus wept. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> yeah, because that one I could remember. Even though I didn't listen, at least he tried to hold me accountable. So what I'm asking us, what I'm saying to us as parents is, is it's not enough to send your kids to school, even school. They come from school, we don't ask about their homework, we don't check to make sure they do their homework, we don't ask them about how they've interacted in the school, and we somehow think magically the child is going to be an A student. It doesn't happen like that. There's a reason for which God gave them to us. We are stewards under God. Children are a heritage of the Lord our God. But the fruit of the womb is his reward. So there's expectation, expectation of us as parents to partner with God, to nurture, to train, and to disciple our children. Amen? Amen. So I'm hearing you say, we as parents can do a better job to make sure we sow the seed of the word, interact with our children, and make sure that they're being nurtured. Is, is that, would you say that too? So, Dawn, or you want to add anything to that? I agree with what Subi said, mm -hmm. um, but it's more so, you know, emphasizing that you need to talk to your child rather than talking at your child, because that's the same thing as- Break that down for me. Them. Hey, wait, 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 that's um. huge. Did you hear what she just said? Talking to your child versus talking at your child. Is that what you said? Yes. Can you give me, can, can you help me understand the dis distinction? Um, <laughs> um, talking to your child is more of having a conversation rather than saying, oh, you need to be doing this, or why aren't you doing this, why aren't you doing this, and constantly yelling. You need to understand how they feel, understand where they're at in their relationship with Christ. Like, a lot of our parents have been Christians for years, and they... I feel like they can't expect us to be on the same <laughs> level as they are um, just because we haven't had that experience and of course we're growing up, a lot of people in the church were growing up in different, um, different methods and circumstances than our parents grew up in. Um, so talking to your child and understanding your child from a different perspective, understanding the way your child thinks and the way your child works and the way your child learns um, can really change how your child um, is interacting with Christ. Wow. If I could, if I could interject. Can I interject yes, real sure, quick? Sure, sure. Um, one thing I also want to say is that even though Don said talking to and talking at, I feel like, especially now that I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old, I'm kind of, I'm getting, I'm not old, but I'm getting to that age. You're getting there. You're yeah, getting, there. getting there. I'm getting there. I'm not yet there. But I feel like once you start getting older is when you understand, looking back, that the talking at and the talking to is needed because the talking at is like a lot of people 
Jesus said, you know, spare the rod, you spoil the child. It's, it's a very good fact because children, no, but you're children. Like, you're not thinking on the same level as an adult. So when your child, I mean, your parent is talking down to the child in a manner because they're the parent, there should be that clear divide. I am the parent, you are the child. And what I'm doing is better for your future than what you can see right now. Woo! <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. That, that, that's an incredible two, five, ten dollar moment. Amen. Can I say something to that? Sure, 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 sure. Um, just and, in and case. Then, I'm sorry, I have my phone because a lot of the kids texted me um, and sent me emails about what they wanted to say, but they didn't want their parents to yell at them. Um, but just to kind of touch on what Don said, and I do agree with Toya C, but I also think there's a fine balance, and I think we need to give a practical example when we get sure. a chance. But let me sure. just want to read this to, um, to the audience. So it says, one thing that, that is sometimes I feel like I'm being lectured on having a relationship with God and the benefits, as if I am a bad child. Okay. And that, that really struck out to me because, and I think that's what Dawn is saying. Correct. Is if, if I have a, if I feel like you're going the wrong way, I'm not going to talk at you and make you feel worse. We want to encourage our kids, not let them think that what they're doing is bad. So for example, if your child every day wakes up on Sunday, they don't want to go to church. I don't believe that's the right time to say, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want to go to church? Your mates are going to church. Da -da -da -da, you know, it's probably, why don't you want to go to church? Let's have a conversation and see what is it exactly about church that is not getting you excited to want to go to church. Or better yet, if your child is doing any, I don't know, I can't, I can't come up with any great examples right now, but I, I do have two younger sisters who are significantly younger than me and they used to come here. And I remember we used to literally get into arguments every Sunday because their nature of worship was different from my nature of worship. When I worship God, when I think of how great God is, I want to throw my hands up and just, oh, hallelujah. I'll be standing next to my sister, they're just standing there. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm really looking like, why don't you want to worship God the way I want to worship God? And we would literally fight every Sunday. Until one day, I took time out to say, you know, why aren't you worshiping God? Why aren't you raising up your hands? Why, why is it not here, you know? And they explained to me, I don't worship like you worship. I'm closing my eyes, minding my business. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> you know? Um, we still agree to disagree on that topic. But at least I'm able to understand better where they're coming from and understand, okay, maybe you're not there yet. Or maybe you're struggling with something that does not, hasn't, because God's a relationship with God is personal. Until yeah. so they have their relationship, until so they have their aha moment, it's very difficult to force them to have a, oh my God moment, you know? But that's what we're here for, is to encourage them and see where they are at every moment. And, and what's the next go? Amen. So really, there's a middle of the road approach. That's what I'm hearing. And uh, we need to uh, understand that uh, uh, under no circumstance should we try to tear them down, bring them down, uh, put condemnation on them, guilt, shame, all of those things. There's, there's just no place for that at all. Uh, and so we need to be very careful. But at the same time, there's definitely room for challenging our children to excellence to do better, to apply themselves better, 
and so forth and so on. So we must understand that delicate balance. And that's why for you and I, the scripture in Philippians 3.12 becomes very, very important as parents. Our conversation, the Bible says, is in heaven. Okay? What that is saying is, because you and I live, we are seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. Therefore, my conversation here on earth should be as a result of what I'm hearing in heaven. Which means, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So even when my child is doing something that, that's displeasing, that's not, uh, I'm not really liking it, I'm not really agreeing with it, I have to put myself in the mind of Jesus Christ. How will he deal with it? How will he deal with it? I'm going to challenge them to do better, but I will not condemn them while they so. That's, that's, that's the goal here. Amen? Praise God. Good. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, what are you going to say? You're going to say something. Are you sure? <laughs> Down here. <laughs> okay. Do you guys feel any intimidation or... or do you guys feel free to share your faith, uh, to share with your friends, your classmates? Uh, where, where are you guys with that? Do you guys share? And the reason I'm saying this is because we had a, a discussion here months ago uh, where we talked about the alternative lifestyle. And uh, I, I realized from that discussion that most of the younger people do not really take the Bible to be absolute. In other words, most of us understand what the Bible says about certain things. But when it comes to reality, we have, we, 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 we have the tendency to want to uh, change that a little bit. Where are you guys on that? Do you believe that the Bible is the absolute word of God? If I'm being honest, yes. <clears throat> I mean, yes, I feel like the Bible is absolute, but like, I, want, I don't want to say, like, we grew up in different times, sure. and there's a lot of things that like we go on now, like cyberbullying stuff like that. That I don't want to say you just wasn't like it was in a different form when you when you were growing up. Sure. So I feel like now, back then, it was easier to have the Bible as an absolute. Whereas now, we're constantly being bombarded with so much different things Correct. that having the Bible as an absolute kind of gets shaky at times. Because you go to school, and especially now, you know, you go to school, you really can't talk about religion unless you, until you go to college. And when you go to college, they're not just telling you about Christianity. They're talking about Judaism, Islam, Shintoism, just different types of religion. It's Correct. always coming at you in different forms. And I feel like then your, your ground kind of gets shaky, especially with the Bible, because, you know, no one really keeps their Bible on them. Like... You have it on your phone, but let's be honest, you have texting on your phone, you have social media, no one's really getting <laughs> on their phone to read their Bible that often. So I feel like it's, uh, the Bible, yes, it is, like, I feel like to most Christians it is the absolute, but it's just the fact, are you using it as an absolute is a bigger question. I know that views, viewpoint. You know, so, me, me personally, like, if I, if the situation arose where I talk about the word of God, I would, because I wouldn't care about the, about what other people say, like, that's, like, I used to, I used to, like, care about, you know, how other people viewed me, how other people saw me as a person, but now, if I'm going to talk about the word of God, I'm going to talk about it, if you want to listen to it, 
you can. If you don't, that's cool. That's just me personally, but other people um, are a little bit more shy about the Word of God. Not, not to say that they're ashamed of their faith, not to say that they like feel bad that they are, like they don't feel like, like they really want to share their faith, but maybe they just don't feel like they have the courage to, to share their faith. So I think, I think that it honestly, it honest, it's honestly up to you as to where you should, as to where you should uh, share your faith. Because like, if you are just not ready, if that's just not what you feel God has called you to do, then don't force yourself into a situation to where you need to, where you feel like, oh, I have to share this faith today, or I have to talk about God today. Let, let God lead you to where he wants you to go and share your faith instead of, instead of you feeling forced, maybe by your parents, maybe by um, higher authorities to go out there and share your faith. And like Toys, he said, so many distractions around us that keep us from our faith. Um, but you could use those distractions to your advantage. So, I mean, if, if that's something that you feel called to do, then you should do, then you should do it. But if you, if you are shy or like, if you are um, just not feeling in that place to be able to share your faith, then don't do it right then. Wait until you feel like you are ready to share your faith. Okay. Then I want to skip it up for a minute. I think for me, it's like, I was never really afraid to talk about God. Like I am Christian, I love God, that's who I am. But my, what I've noticed is that it's not enough to just like throw a verse at people. Like you can't just be like, well, this is what it says in the Bible. Cause I've literally met a person who, he said, I've read the Bible beginning to end. I was a Christian, but now I don't believe in God because of the way I was treated. So it was like, I had to come to him from a place of well, I believe in God because he loves me. Like, I don't know, it's, it's more than just John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Like, no one, everyone knows, not everyone knows that, but a lot of people have heard that over and over again, so I had to learn that I'm not just gonna spew verses at people, I'm gonna talk to them from a point of love and a place of understanding. Okay. Let, let me go back to that, to that question again. Because I want to make sure we get that question. I heard what everybody, Don, did you respond to that? Yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead, respond. Oh, um, I was just going to say, um, with, with sharing your faith with other people, it's a really big step to, you know, step out of your comfort zone and go to people and just, in general, just talk to people. Um, the same way that we don't want to feel like religion is forced on us is the same way we don't want to force religion on our friends or other people in our lives. But when people come to you for advice, or when people are just wanting to talk, there's always ways that you can slip in your faith or slip in how you feel about God and your religion. Um, there's always times that you can invite people. I brought my friends here today. It's not the first time that they've been here. And although like we might not be on the same level um, with our relationship with Christ, there's ways to help people um, to experience what you experience in their own way. Um, and I think coming from like the perspective of a child, ways to make your child feel more comfortable with sharing their faith with other people is to lead by example, like be an example to them, right. show them how to do it, show them how to, you know, come to other people and talk to them, not just like parent to child, but, you know, friend to friend. Yeah. Okay, two things I want to say there. Yeah. Number one, and that is, we should never impose our faith on anybody. 
So that's not, that's not, that's not, that's totally off the table. We should never impose our faith on anyone. However, as believers, we all have a responsibility to share our faith as Christ gives us the opportunity. All of us. And I mean, we can go through the annals of scriptures. Samuel was a young boy. David was a young boy. Daniel was 16 and 18 when God used him in the, in the kingdom in Babylon. So all of us that are born again, that have the spirit of God. You know, you know what's amazing? The spirit of God in you too, I say, Don, Subi, Daniel, that you guys have in, your, in you, it's not any smaller than what I have in me. Do you know that? That same spirit of God that you guys have is what I have. I don't have one bigger than yours. That, that's, that's, that's huge in itself. So what I'm saying is, yes, we should not impose our faith on anybody. Absolutely not. That's why God did not force anybody to be born again. He gave everybody a choice and a free will to make a decision. However, what I want to make sure our young people understand is that because of what we've received of his love and of his mercy and of his goodness, we now should passionately want to ask God, how can you use me today to share with someone that's where I am of how good you are? And let him put those words in your mouth. Let him show you the circumstance, the situation. He's going to set all of that up. And he's going to say, now you can share. Amen? Not only should we decide, it's something we should be praying about. But the other point I want to make, because I didn't uh, ask the question, and I'm not sure if I got an answer. And that question is, do you guys, I don't, I'm not asking about those guys out there. I'm talking about you guys here on this platform. Do you believe that the Bible is the absolute, complete word of God? Yes or no? I, di I didn't quite hear that. And maybe I missed it, but I'll just make sure. Um. <laughs> Praise God. Personally, I think yes. Like, I used to, not that I didn't used to think that, but I didn't experience that um, okay. until I went on my missions trip. And um, that's when I really, I feel like the word is the only way to hear from God. Um, you know, prior to going to Haiti, my relationship with God was solely like coming to church, listening to the message again, listening to the word, but not experiencing it for myself. Um, it's a totally different game when you're experiencing it for yourself. Um, so personally, I do believe that it is absolute what Amen. And that's why we are inviting the rest of you to pack your bags and go on the next mission trip. <laughs> why would I miss that opportunity? <laughs> Praise right? God. Amen. Because really, when you are there, you're out of your comfort zones and you can really, truly get into hearing and seeing what God is saying. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen. Um, I was just going to keep in maybe uh, my two cents. Even though we know that uh, when absolutely we cannot enforce yep. our religion nope. on someone else because no one did that to us. Amen. Um, there are laws that says you cannot be preaching um, at some setting, but there is no law in the United States or anywhere else that says 
you cannot live out your faith. And the pattern that Jesus gave to us from the beginning was to leave it out. No law against that. No law against making friends with the intention of letting them see the God in you and asking the question. And a very good example is in the book of John chapter 4. When Jesus met a woman at the well, he simply said, give me a water to drink. And the rest was history. Yep. So, there is no law that says we cannot live out our faith. Amen. And as we do that on a daily basis, guess what? Our friends are going to ask questions. They're going to start the conversation about who God is. You're not going to even start it. Because that's what God wants us to do. So let's go out there and leave out what we've already learned, what we've already known about God, and see what God will do with that. Amen. Um, I just want to say something to answer that question based on the polls that we've taken in the past. Okay. Um, I think we asked a similar question in the youth a while ago, and I believe most of the answer were yes, maybe, no, not sure. <laughs> They've been raised in the church all their lives. All they know is the Bible. And I think Toya Sik brought up a great point when he said that when you go off to college, you're going to learn about so many different things. I'm an adult and I still have, sometimes I struggle when I have my devotion because I might read something and I'm gonna go, this doesn't really make much sense. So what I do is I ask somebody who might know, Pastor Tosin can attest to the fact that I've texted her quite a number of times, what does this mean? I don't get it, I'm struggling with this. Um, and I think that's where parents family members, uncles, aunts come in. It's be opening that door so our, the youth can talk to us about scriptures. Um, and I think it goes right back to what we discussed when we first started here. When we leave this church on a Sunday and you're in the car with your kids going to go eat um, Asian Fusion, um, what are you guys discussing? <laughs> what are you discussing on your way to Asian Fusion? Did you ask them what the scripture meant to them? Because in order for the scripture to be real to them, you need practical examples. And I wanted to read something that someone wrote to me anonymously. Um, it says, I think the curriculum of teaching, well, let me go back a little bit. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Sorry. I feel like in church there's some shaming when it comes to mistakes and a lot of I also think this church is more dedicated to mainstream ministry than having the children's, young adult, and etc. as a foundation. I think the curriculum or teaching staff changes so much, and I feel, I feel like although we call it class, it doesn't seem like we test the knowledge of students. Um, so that for me was a challenge for me as a youth leader and also for all the other children's ministry um, leaders. A lot of kids, at least three, have mentioned to me that they, not, they don't necessarily understand the word of God. They don't understand how to apply this scripture to their lives. And I know some of the youth can attest to the fact that we try to you know, get a scripture and live it out for the week. You know, try to see what, what does this scripture mean to you? And I think as parents, we should also be going that route with the church. I know from my personal example, I have two young kids, they're three and five. The three-year-old obviously has no clue what I'm saying or cares less what I'm saying. But from an advice that I got from an adult, you know, younger, I mean, uh, older auntie in this church, I asked her, I said, you know, I'm not, I can't afford to put my children in, um, Christian in Christian schools. What do I do? My child is in kindergarten and she's going to be with all the other kids who have no idea who God is or don't really care what God is. What do I do? 
And she said, well, when her kids were younger, one of them is up here, you know, when her kids were um, younger, they would have devotion, like maybe during breakfast or something like that. Keep in mind, my child is five. And I was like, okay, we'll try it. So every morning during breakfast, I get a um, podcast that's called Keys for Kids. And we just listen to it. They tell a story, they give a scripture, and then they give an example of that scripture and how it plays out. And I promise you, in just only three weeks of school, I've learned so much just from that. I'm able to interpret the scripture even better. So I say all of that to say, for some of us or for some of them, the Bible may not be the one all be all because they don't understand the importance of it. They don't understand the meat of it. And it's our job with the church to make that something real to them. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. So, Don said yes. I'm still trying to get the answer for the absolute. Uh, no, I, I actually didn't say yes. I was, I was speaking more about everyone else. But if I had to be honest with myself right now, I would have to say no. I feel like maybe, I feel like just where I am based on my faith, I feel like I, I wouldn't read the word whereas like I would have a feeling and I would go based on the feeling rather than going into the word and then getting a feeling. It's more like in my everyday environment or what I'm doing, how I feel like God has touched me that day or how I feel like God has moved me is how I kind of move opposed to having the word be the absolute. Okay, good. Uh, how about you, Subi? Um, Just yes or no? Yes, I, I mean, yes, it's the absolute word of God, but I believe that, like, like if you are talking to somebody about, about the word of God, you might... You might not always open up with like a scripture sure. or like a verse to say. Sure. You might open up with just like, you know, I don't know, like how to deal with a certain situation. You know, if like they're if they're in like a place of trouble, if they're in a place or if they're having dealing with some issues, you might not always go to them with like a word of God because they might not be so open to that, you know. Sure. You might you might tell them, um, oh, uh, you know, this is what I've done in the past. Maybe you could do this too, and then maybe at the end of your conversation, you you give them like a verse or something something from a scripture or, or preaching. But it doesn't. I, I don't think you always have to open up or like start your conversations. Yeah. That you open up with your friends and stuff like that uh, with the word of God, because although it is the absolute word of God, um, it's still not it's not always the only thing that you can use. Okay. Yeah, I'm not even speaking about you using it now. What I'm speaking to is where you get your moral compass from. Where you get your direction for living from. That's what I'm trying to ascertain. And uh, so I got one, two, three. Danielle. Uh, I think, yes, it is the absolute value. But for me, I need a reason for everything. So someone can tell me, okay, the Bible says, this, this, and XYZ, that. Yeah. XYZ, and I'm saying, okay, why? And it's like, oh, the Bible said so. That doesn't work for me. Like, I need, I need a reason. So, like, I ever um, have a conversation with my parents, you know, my dad, if you tell him to talk about the love of God, he can talk to the end of time. So we have conversations about that. Or I um, have conversations with my friends, or I just kind of try to figure out for myself, like, okay, why would God say don't have sex before marriage. Like, why would he say that to me? Like, why? how does that help me or how does that affect me in either way? Like, because I need a reason for myself and I think it's not enough for me. It's not enough just to tell me the Bible says this because, I don't know, like, I 
like it, I just need a reason for myself. Sure. Okay. So what what I'm, what we're establishing here is, for the most part, they believe that the Bible is the word of God, absolute word of God, but they don't always understand why God says certain things. These are two totally different things. I'm up here. Oh, I've been born again God knows how long, and I'm reading the Bible, studying the Bible, reading the Bible, until today. Hear this? I don't understand everything in the Bible. Ding! But because I don't understand everything in the Bible, does that remove or diminish the fact that the Word of God is the absolute, complete Word of God? No! It just means a bank Akimola needs to grow up, learn up, and get some more revelation. Amen? So I guess what I'm trying to say here is, and I understand what you guys are, you know, struggling with, with the accepting that this is the word of God versus, okay, well, I don't understand it. Why did they say this? Chill, chill out. Don't think you're going to understand every, Listen, God is ancient of days. He's been around for a long, 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 long time. So don't try to understand everything God is saying just because you read it now. So if you ever come across anything that you read and you lack understanding or perhaps you struggle with accepting, take it to God. That's how you develop relationship. Just in the same way as you take things to your father or your mother to get explanation, but understand your father and your mother, they are finite. Even in their own understanding. They are limited as to what they can explain or show you. They will give all they have. But after giving all they have, they have a limit. That's why the Bible says Jesus is, is being made unto us all wisdom. Not Banka Kimola. Not Tosin Abedakon. Not Sami Badaki. But Jesus is being made unto all wisdom. So what I'm saying is, the first, the beginning point, Hebrews 11 says, everyone that comes to God must believe that he is. That's the threshold. So you, you've got to believe that this word is God's word to me. Now, having said that, I'm, having believed that, I may still have struggles, questions, and that's fine. That's legit. The disciples of Jesus many times call him aside, Master, what do you mean by this? So what I'm saying to us is, we are dealing with two different things. Number one, accepting that the word of God is the final authority. And secondly, understanding that word and knowing how to make application to where we are. Separate ball game entirely. Do you guys, do you guys understand that? No clap, no applause for me. <laughs> Sorry about that, you're not clapping. I'm happy. <laughs> Go ahead. Hello. Um, I wanted to really put, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I wanted to put emphasis on what Pastor Banks said earlier and just to really make sure that that soaks in for you guys. He says that the same God that's in him is in you all. And that's period. And that is so profound because back to what you said um, about, oh, my parents may say just, this is what the Bible says. So you can take that just like what Pastor Banks said to God now because he's in you and then allow those answers to trickle down and just stay still in those moments until he speaks to you and tells you what to do 
That's a finite for anyone, no matter how young or how old. There's no separation. There's no, there's no um, just because I've been a Christian for how many years that he speaks <laughs> more to me than he would. That simple, that simplistic thing of saying, I don't understand, Lord, and I uh, teach me, show me. Amen. And he will, period. He will. So in that same vein, when you're out in school or with your friends, he will show you how to share your faith in those atmospheres. You just have to make that decision and that choice to say, okay, I'm gonna listen. I'm going to do, what is it? And you'll be so surprised at how little or how the interaction, it's not this grand thing like you're gonna slam somebody with the Bible and all of a sudden they're gonna jump <laughs> up and say hallelujah. It'll be something so little, you know, and, and so I just, I just want to challenge you guys to just really, really seek him for yourself, and that's it. Amen. Applause. Hi, guys. Hey. Um, so I think the general question was kind of why does this generation seem disconnected from religion, from Christianity, all of it? Um, I think the main two reasons that I hear are um, that specifically with Christianity that there seems to be so many different interpretations for one religion, for one book, for one God. So why do these groups say this? Why do these groups say that? Why do these groups hate these groups? Why do these groups say we should embrace them? The second reason which I hear most of the time is um, the hypocrisy aspect. Um, I've heard this a lot with my friends, um, basically they don't necessarily have a problem with the fundamentals of Christianity, they, they think Jesus is a great figure, they think the Bible makes sense, they think it makes sense, all of it makes sense. Their main thing is that um, the people that label themselves as Christians behave in hateful ways, so they hmm. don't want to be a part of that. Hmm. So um, those are just the reasons that I've heard, I, I don't have a solution. Um, I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about that. Amen. Very good. Wow. Two things she brought up. Number one, why is it that one faith has so many different interpretations? Secondly, the hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. That's huge. And she went on to, and I'm not sure, Tommy, when you said that within the, when you were talking about the hypocrisy about how this group hates this other group, are you talking about within Christianity or outside of Christianity? Oh, 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 oh. Well, she, she became more specific there now. She said about certain group says that you should hate gays. For this body, let me just let you know, for this body. We do not espouse anything about hating anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. We do not hate. In fact, this would be a good place for me to drop this to you. Pastor Abike, I'm sorry. I don't know if you had your meeting or if you've not had it, but this would be a good junction for me to drop this on you. For a couple of years now, we've been approached by the Boy Scout to want to use our facilities. And we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And finally they came to us when? Is the revelation here? Yes, sir. When did they come? 
last week said that another church kicked them out. And they are looking for a base, a home place to hold their meetings. Revelation brought it to me. I began, I conferred upon it. And we are going to bring it to the general leadership later on. But because of this late breaking news, <laughs> this will be a good junction to say to you, we've accepted and embraced them to come. And let me just tell you, this, this is the simple reason. I understand what the Boy Scouts leadership decision, decision they made. I understand that. And I'm not getting into all of that, why they did what they did. That's not, that's not the point. But this is my question to all of us. If Jesus was preaching in a room and a gay came to that room, will he send the gay out of the room? No. Not my Jesus. Not my Jesus. No. Jesus is not, it's not going to turn a gay away because they are gay. No. Absolutely not. So we're not going to hate anybody. Gay or not. Straight or bent. I don't care who you are. What you are. No, seriously. Seriously. We are going to love them, bless them, and prayerfully, hopefully, through the love of God, they will see the light of the day. There are many of us that are here with various views, various lifestyles. That does not mean I embrace and endorse your lifestyle. But I can still love you in spite of. Because that's what God did for me. Because while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Now, having said that, to Tommy's question, Jesus made it clear in John chapter 13 that as he has loved us, which is unconditionally, we should go and love others. So the issue of hypocrisy, because you are not the same color as I am, you are not the same height, the same weight, the same lifestyle choice and decisions, it, it has no, no place in Christianity. None. And for my brothers and sisters who hate because somebody does not believe what they believe and do what they do, it's very unfortunate. And even with that, we still have to love those, that group as well. Yes. So the hypocrisy, uh, it's there. And I don't think it's going to ever leave. So the point is, with or without hypocrisy, people still have to make a choice. Not based on my brother or my sister, but based on what I've seen with God, and I have to just take account of that. The other issue, which is, I almost forgot. One faith, oh, one faith, many interpretations. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have an answer for that. You want to speak into that? I, I just wanted to say, you know, that's, that's not something that's unique to Christianity. Islam has many schools of Islam. There are the Sunnis, there are the Shias, there are the Wahhabis, there's the Ahmadiyas. Buddhism has many schools. Oh, God, Charlie. Come, 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 come. That's a $2 territory. Thank you, sir. Amen. So, uh, so as long as there's liberty of faith, people are going to come to so many different interpretations. Yeah. It, not every interpretation is true. There is truth, and that there are versions of truth. Amen. But I, I dare believe that the, Jesus says, if you seek me, you will find me. That if in a moment of conf confusion you go to God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he will guide us in, into all truth and Amen. into all knowledge. That's what makes our Christian faith distinct. 
that you have a guide, a comforter, a, a counselor that God gives you to share, uh, point. And I, I, without taking too much time, when I first came to the United States, I was looking for a church to go to. And I somehow got mixed up with a cult. These people loved the socks off of me. I mean, it, it, they were visible expression of love going in and out the door. But I realized that there was something off with their teaching. Because whenever I listened, there was just a sense of disquiet within me. And ultimately, God brought me to this. They were essentially called. What am I saying? I, I'm not going to name them. But I'm telling you that, that there's a Holy Spirit in us that will keep you in an uncomfortable place when you are exposed to error. And if you reach out to that Holy Spirit, He will guide you into truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, okay. Yes. Hey, everybody. Um, Pastor <laughs> Bank asked the question, how do you talk to your friends about God and just share your faith and everything? And I think the biggest disconnect I see personally is just all of us, like most of my, like my age group right now, we're big on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I can't count anybody here who isn't on one of them. So it's just looking at it. I personally have a friend who is really big on Facebook talking about God and his faith. And a lot of people go under his comments talking about you're being annoying. Like, you can't <laughs> do this every day. Nobody wants to see that. And I just feel like that's a big disconnect because a lot of people want to list. Like, if I posted something about maybe me rapping to, like, Kanye West or, like, Jay-Z or whatever, Everybody wants to like it. I probably get like a hundred and something likes. But if I post something about, let's say I'm singing like a Christian song, like Hill song, everybody's like, I probably get like eight likes the most. So it's kind of like nobody, who wants to go in there and like talk about Christ? Because when I go on Snapchat, I have to question if I want to wake up in the morning, if I want to post something about a scripture. I have to question, nobody wants to see that. People out there partying in doing all this stuff and going out to eat, like nobody wants to see that, so I don't post it. And I'm just thinking like, why am I not posting it? Because my age group's probably thinking, girl, she's lame, like who wants to see that? So I think that's a very big disconnect right now for our age group. We don't want to stand up for Christ anymore because we're thinking, what's my friend gonna say? I don't want to look lame. I don't want to come on here talking about Christ all the time. So, yeah. so, so that's, that's very good. That's What would you think would be the correct solution to that? Should we back off because your friends will not want to give you eight responses or comments? Or should I continue to be who I am? Or another way, should I ask God for wisdom in how to share what I'm about to share? Do we just shut down because our generation are totally unresponsive? Does that eliminate God's responsibility towards me to still live my faith? So you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I, I'm not, you know, the world is going to be the world. We can't change that. But we can live, our, we can allow God to live his life through us. So, so the thing is, do I want to employ the wisdom of God and say, okay, there's a powerful testimony of what God has done. For instance, John Maxwell. Pastor of pastor, leader of leaders. He holds three, four day huge leadership meetings. And I've been to many of them. He teaches 
generic stuff for three days. But in and through all that teaching, he's telling you, I have a friend who really helped me. It doesn't tell you who that friend is. All through the teaching. I mean, people say, ooh, ha, ooh, ha, they pay $1,000 and to buy his books and his... All through three days. And at the end of the three days, when he closes the conference, he tells them, listen, I've been telling you about my friend for three days. If you want to know my friend, when this meeting is dismissed, you can, you can wait back. I'll, I'll introduce my friend to you. And he does. So what I'm saying is, it's not always John 3, 16. It's not always Romans 8, 1. We have to employ the wisdom of God to, make, to, 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 to apply in the situation where we are and at the same time, just uh, be who we are. Because we don't want our friends to change us. No, we don't want to. If, if what we really have is we really have it, then our friends should not be changing us. Instead, we should be changing them. We should be changing them. So, you may need to ask for God's wisdom. How shall I share what I want to share? Or, at the end of the day, they say, you know what? I, I can't stop being who I am. I have to be who I am. Amen? And then just understand that there may be consequences for you being who you are. I understand that everybody will not like it. Everybody will not be on board. But that does not mean you're going to change who you are. That in itself will be hypocrisy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Just, yeah. Go ahead. Oh. Uh, hi, everybody. Hi, hi. Oh, uh, so like on Snapchat, there's, you know, Snapchat. You know, <laughs> yeah. So like you post something, it's on there for 24 hours. It's not like forever thing. So like every now and then I post like a Bible verse and verse of the day or something like that. And then like I just put it up there, sometimes I send it to my streaks or whatever. So we say what? Sometimes I send it to my streaks, you know. Okay, just, I just send it to people. I, I just send it to people, you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, okay, so I just send it to them and then they... Okay. 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 don't know what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> There's this app. You post something on this app, it stays up there for 24 hours and disappears. Okay. Okay. And then sometimes I send it directly to people where only some people can see it. Okay. Okay. So that, that's, that's okay. the gist. Okay. Um, so I sometimes I send my favorite Bible verse or verse of the day. And then, and I see if people see it. And one day this girl, she like, she, DM, she texted me back and I said, thank you for posting this stuff. It's very encouraging. And I just thought people just see it and then like they forget about it. That kind of gave me like a confidence to know that it's actually doing stuff for people. Amen. I mean, some people might be like shy or something, and they don't they don't want to like they don't want to like get shamed or something for speaking about God. But like I feel like me sending it to them, like I hope it's giving them a little courage and a, like a boost in their faith to like so that they can like share. It. Like it's an epidemic. I started it and then. It just spreads out. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You got the flow. Oh. Well, I, I would just let the youth, the, you know, just say what they have to say because they want to talk. So we need to let them talk. So. Okay. I mean, I can, I can yield to you. So. You want me to yield? You're on the clock, man. You're on the clock. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, I, I just want to just really um, thank, thank Pastor for um, allowing this forum to happen. Um, so long, we talked about it years ago, really, but the forum never happened. So this is uh, a grand opportunity for, for you guys to speak. So I want to 
thank dad for letting letting this happen today. That's all I get to thank. Uh, no, to, no two dollars. Um, <laughs> I got a special prize. <laughs> Waiting in North Carolina. I get abused too much. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I want to just encourage and um, thank the young, the young ones. Um, when I, I've seen all y'all grow up from little ones, and, and thank y'all for coming forward to speak. Thank you. You know, thank you for having the courage. <laughs> And so being, um, you know, be encouraged from today, you know, to continue to talk. Don't, don't let days go by that you don't talk to your parents. You bring the conversation to them, okay? And the other thing is, want to encourage you to, to read the Word of God every day. And like everybody said, the Spirit of God is in you. Amen. So now you can go to the Word of God and read the Word of God, pray every day, and God will give you inspiration and direction and guidance what to do. Amen. Thank y'all though. Thank you. Awesome. Olubadiali. Yes. Uh I just want to address uh the issue about the popularity and the number of people that you know respond to your post among our, our younger people. Uh it's part of the peer pressure uh that we're all dealing with especially in their generation and I want to encourage them you may not be sent to a million people or a thousand people. Hmm. If you are led to post uh, an encouraging scripture, if it touches only one person, that's your mission. Okay? Don't, don't, don't. I know, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I, I know we live in the, in the age of ratings, especially from the White House. Ah. Uh, okay, I'm Come sorry, on, I have to go there. What do you think about House? <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> it's all about ratings. But please disengage yourself from that. If you can reach only one person, that's your mission. Don't, Amen. don't go for the numbers. One Amen. person is enough for you. Amen. So please be encouraged. Amen. Very good. Very, very good. Amen. Very good. Very good. Yes. Yeah, he, he said exactly what I was about to say. Um, the, the reality is, is that, uh, you know, Jesus is never going to be popular because we're in a system. I mean, he said it himself. They hate us because they already hated him. So you cannot necessarily depend on the world to love you when you're standing for Christ. At the same time, the biggest factor you must also um, consider is who are you in the midst of your friends? If you are inconsistent in your lifestyle, when you do post something that is, that it brings glory to the kingdom, your friends will receive it based on how they receive you. If Beyonce, and I like to use Beyonce because Beyonce is popular. If Beyonce puts on Instagram, I love Jesus, tomorrow, all her followers will say, I love Jesus, because Beyonce said, I love Jesus. So what happens if Liedem says, I love Jesus? Well, all the people who know me love Jesus because I said I love Jesus. So the factor, your fact of who you are in the midst of your friends is, is a big determination of how they receive the gospel. Amen.
So uh, just off of ev what everyone said about, you know, using social media and, uh, you know, how people view you, it just makes me think of this quote from one of my favorite rappers that I listen to. You know, a lot of people like to view him as a uh, Christian rapper. Um, a lot of people have different views of him, but uh, his, name, his name is Lecrae, and uh, his quote was, if you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. Woo! Good God Almighty. My, 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 my. <laughs> one more time. They did it here one more time. Loud. He said, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. And, and that just, like, ever since I read that, I was like, yo, if this dude can, <laughs> if this dude can say something about, uh, and he's gone through so much scrutiny because, because of what he says and what he says in his music, you know, he said he has a lot of positive messages to say, but a lot of people don't want to hear it. And, you know, sometimes he might do stuff out of the box to bring across his message and people don't want to listen to him. So when he said that, it just made me feel like, you know, I can't care about what other people say. Because at the end of the day, the person that I might see at the store or at school, I might not see them for, an, uh, for another 10 years. So why should I care about what people say? Why should I care about whether people accept me or not? I'm gonna, I'm gonna live the life that I want to live. I'm gonna be happy doing it. And if, and if the situation arises to talk about God, if the situa situation arises to talk about positivity and things like that, I'm gonna talk about it. Because like JT said, um, posting his verse of the day and stuff like that, like I used to do that too. And the feedback that I got from that was crazy. Like people that I never thought believed in Christ like they they screen they they like to uh, screenshot the post so that they would save it, <laughs> save the verse. And this one dude, like out of all people, you know, he's the only dude who, who screenshots it. And I'm and I was just telling him thank you, you know, for doing that because like it seems like nobody really wants to listen to. Him. And I get feedback from people at school, from uh, people at church. It, it's crazy what you can do with just one post or one thing you say. So. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Quickly, you and then Sable, and then we wrap it up. Yes. Uh, I feel like the whole the struggle between like sharing God and not. I feel like that's like there's an issue with like confidence. You shouldn't have confidence in yourself, but confidence in God. Like my name is JC Tofumi. The meaning is Jesus is sufficient for me. Yes, sir. AKA Jesus is enough for me. Like if I know that the only one I need is God, then like. You can listen to me or not, but I know, like, I got, I got my God on my side. Like, oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No, no, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now, now, he said something there that I don't want us parents to miss. He did not come out of the womb understanding what his name meant. To somebody took the time to let him know this is who you are, this is why you are that person, and therefore this is how you should live. Parental responsibility. That is huge. That is huge. We just don't name our kids just any carelessly. You don't get names from Google. 
And if you did, you need to go change it. Yes, sir. Amen? So this is important that as parents, we help our children understand their pedigree. Man, these kids are growing up. It's, it's blowing me away totally. Praise God. Miss Sibyl, thank you. Okay, that segues right into my question. So it is our, our responsibility as parents to expose you to the gospel. What could we do as parents to really make the gospel relevant for you in today's time? We understand that what was going on when we were growing up was totally different. Um, probably most of us probably had one gay friend, if not, if any, where you probably are running into your best friend being gay. You're running into your best friend, your roommate, who is doing Bible study with you, who are also sleeping with other people. So what can we do to help talk to you about these issues in terms of the Bible and continue to have the Bible relevant for you? Amen. Very good. Yes, go ahead. that one. Um, Thank you. I feel like one of the biggest things that, uh, I mean, personally, from what I've experienced, my parents talking to me, is every time they would bring up a scripture, especially now that we're older, they bring up a scripture, they immediately try to bring up a very practical example. When I say practical, I mean practical like I can walk outside and it can happen to me. Not practical like you heard it on TV. Practical like you, you can literally feel it in an example, such as how do you, what do you do if your friend is gay, comes to you and says you're gay? You know, general consensus in the household was, you know, you kind of, you kind of want to push away because, you know, you don't want that. You're not, you're not, you don't accept their lifestyle. But, you know, immediately my mom turned back and said no. She said, what did Jesus do to the leper? He didn't push him away. He, they invited them, in fact. They he touched them and he blessed them. And he said, my mom said the same I way. I taught your mother very well. <laughs> <laughs> she taught me well. <laughs> so, I guess from there, like she said, your friend that, she had a friend that come o- came over and this friend is kind of prone to accidents. He broke my windshield to the car. And so, in that, my mom took that small example and said, you know, when he came to the house, he, the first thing he did was he was scared to talk to my mom because he broke a windshield. So came to my mom and said, sorry, I broke your windshield. First thing she did was smile, laughed at him, gave him a hug and told him, listen, stuff happens. We can't just kick you out just and hate you because of that. She said, don't worry about it. We'll fix it ourselves. You just go on about your day. Don't worry about it. Just think it off your mind. And I think that small thing was like a huge, and actually a huge difference because now he's no longer afraid to come to the house. He's not too terrified to talk to my mom. In fact, I think all my friends have now even, sometimes they hit, not hit my mom up, they uh, text my mom. (laughs) They text my mom. They'll ask her for opportunities, business opportunities. They want to know her. They want to know to get her better. They don't come over just for me now. Now they're coming over for my mom. Wow. Who will therefore lead them towards where they should go. Amen. Amen. Anybody else want to speak to that? To what Ms. Sibyl said? Well, I can, I, can I say something oh, sure, about sure, that? Sure, sure. Well, to answer that question, one of the, one of the text messages that I got, um, she's actually in college right now, but she wanted to say, um, oh, what did she say? She said, da, 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 didn't want to say, the best thing my parents have done has been an example of Christian living. Their generosity, service, genuine love, and forgiveness towards other people, they never really directly taught me, but they just showed me. So I think to answer your question, that will be one of one practical way. It's just being who you are, being a Christian. On the flip side, somebody else texted me saying, 
you know, it's funny, my parents always want me to be this great Christian and everything like that, but then when I see them on their daily lives, they're, for lack of a better word, crazy. It's, you know, it's like, you know, how can you tell me about the peace of God when you're always yelling? How can you tell me about the peace of God when you always seem to like you're angry at someone? So we just really have to be careful.